Luke chapter 2 is the story of Jesus being born, Jesus coming to this earth. We know that he existed in all eternity. He is the God-man. When he took on flesh, he came to dwell with us, but that doesn't mean that's when he was born, okay? Jesus has always existed. He's eternal. When he took on flesh, that was so that he might be our sacrifice, so that his flesh might die. Amen? So what this story is talking about is when Jesus was going to be born physically through Mary. Now, like any person having a baby, he needed a room. He needed a hospital. He needed a bed. When I went and visit Juan and his child born in the hospital, the child was on a little bed, right? A little cute little bed. One day, my wife and I will be doing that, Lauren, sooner than us. And when the mother has a child, it needs room. Well, as you're going to see right here is that there was no room for Jesus. You all know the story. I think there's been even songs sung about it, no room for him in the end. But I want you to see it, starting in verse 4, and then we'll move down to verse 7. So Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. So Joseph has to go do some tax, uh, tax work, and he has to go register. So he travels, and Mary's pregnant at this time. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. When they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes, placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. Everybody say, no room. I want to read that again. It says, she wrapped him in clothes and put him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. So everyone look up at me now. When Jesus Christ was born, he was not placed in a palace. He wasn't placed in a fancy hospital. He was placed in a manger. Why? Because there was no room for him in the end. Now, I want to tell you why this is important to me personally and why it's going to affect you and this whole church, why this message is so important to us. Because in our youth service two weeks ago, as we were spending time with God at the altar and just loving Jesus, a word came into my heart, and I think I would have received it even easier if it would have came from somebody else. But it came through me, so I mean, I know I can't question if it was God or not, but it's a tough word, and it's a good word, it's an awesome word, but the word was this, make room for me. And Jesus was speaking through me to our people that were there at that time, and he was saying, just how when I was born and I was coming the first time, people did not make room for me. They were so busy with their other things, and I had to be in a manger. Now my second time, churches are not making room for me. And I'm looking for the mangers or the people that have room for me. Jesus said to me personally, Joe, you make room for me. Now, how does this apply to the church right now, today? What does this mean, make room for Jesus? You might be thinking to yourself, Pastor, I mean, we love Jesus. We worship Jesus. What more could we do for Jesus? Well, there's more we can do. Believe it or not, there's still more we can do. We have not even seen the beginning yet. We're still like in the introduction right here. Have you ever put in a DVD? 
before the movie starts, there's like that little front page, and it says play, select the scene. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Then it kind of just repeats itself for a little while. Know what I'm talking about? That's where we are right now. Literally, three years is just a drop in the bucket. We're just there right now, and we're deciding the type of church we're going to be. We're deciding what type of Christian we want to be. We're going to play the movie, you know, we're going to do the right thing, or are we just going to go backwards and keep watching the previews or stay on that one thing? Because I want you to know every one of us has a choice to make. But let me first tell you, before I apply it to your life, let me apply it to the life of the church. Let's start with some things that we can do right now to make room for Jesus. Well, the word came to the youth group. So we looked at our youth group and we said, Lord, what do you mean by that? And so we looked at our schedule. Well, we come here around 530 and we start praying, evangelize. And then we start what we like to call the carnival. The carnival. And what happens is you come to the youth group, there's basketball, there's video games, there's the cafe, there's live hip-hop, there's the party lights. You know, you feel like you're at a carnival, you feel like you're at a party. And that's fun, man, right? The kids loved that, teenagers, it was fun, right? And we began to look, boy, we did this for about an hour and a half, an hour or so. And then we looked at our service, which was good. We would have worship and small groups and a word and even prayer at the end. But then we would notice that the young people would be so interested in going back to the carnival that at the end of service, the prayer time really wasn't the most important thing. And they wanted to get back to the lights, the music and the eating and the basketball. And then they would hang out literally until we had to ask them to leave, sometimes 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. Midnight would be an early night for us. And our youth group had 80-plus students. So what is the Lord saying to us, make room? Well, how about we take out the basketball goals, make a little more room for Jesus? How about we take out the lights and the party, and we make this the real party for Jesus, make a little more room for him? How about we take out the three skits, the dramas, the, the, uh, the rapping and all of that, and just say worship and get lost in his presence? Not to say anything wrong with those things. I'm just saying, how about we just make room for him? And now it's, once again, it's, it's okay to do certain things, but the word for us was make room for me. How about at the end of the service, instead of them rushing off to want to go to the carnival, how about then we begin to make more room for Jesus? If they could stay and play basketball till 12, if they could stay and play video games till 12, why can't they then worship till 12? Why can't we then come after service and just praise and worship God? Somebody says tight, but it's right. Now let's talk about Sunday morning. Amen. Let's talk about us. Let's talk about you. It was cool talking about the youth, right? Some of you are like, hey, man, wow, I didn't even know they had all that. Well, yeah, they should do that, man. They should make more time for God. Well, how about us? And that thing you have on your wrist right now, the one that we put on the wall, how about us just getting rid of that? Oh, it gets a little quiet now. Oh, it gets quiet now, doesn't it? Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. Amen. I brought my own amen. Amen, Joe. Amen, Joe. Preach it. I will. How about we get out of the idea that our two hours is what God needs to perform in? How about we make room for him? How about we actually make room for him? 
Now, I'm not talking about belaboring a boring service. I'm not talking about wasting time. Sister so-and-so is going to tell you about the church garage sale, and then another person's going to come up and tell you about all of these things we need to do. No, 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 I'm not talking about boring meetings. I'm talking about making room for Jesus. How about we make a little room for him here? How about we say worship is over when the Lord says it's over? How about we move on from worship when the Lord says, you have worshipped me long enough, now get into my word. Why don't we do that? Amen? And that's what we're doing. Praise God for our worship team. Let's give it up for the worship team. Amen? How about we do things in such a way where it's not the order of man, but it's the order of God? Where it's not what does man think is best. Well, I think it's best that we do the offering now because we can get the most bang for our buck. Or I think it best to do this even for the children's workers because they don't want to be there that long. Or this think it best for so-and-so because they got a barbecue to go to. How about we just say the order belongs to God? Here's a good example, and I want to help you with this. Everybody, listen to me. Church will start for you when you get here. It will end for you when you leave here. Amen? There it is. There it is. We put a time so that people would understand when we started. But it starts in that prayer meeting. 9.15. And definitely there's no end time. You want to show up at 9.15, bam, church has started for you. You got to leave at 11, church is over for you. If you're hungry for God and you say, man, I want to make room for him today on a Sunday. Church may not end for you till 10 o'clock tonight. <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, we've studied in the Bible that Jesus himself would spend 40 days, 40 nights in the desert. He then would go up to the mountain and pray all night. Peter and Jesus were on a mountain. Jesus was getting ready to be uh, arrested, and Peter couldn't even stay with him an hour, and Jesus rebuked him and said, the only reason why you can't stay up and pray with me is because your flesh is weak. So we begin to understand that if we want to make room for him, we're going to need to fight our flesh. Everybody say amen. Let's keep talking about how we can make room for God. i got so many scriptures I want to share with you. I just want to get more practical. Then this is a good thing. This is all good. Everybody say it's good thing. Man, this is a good thing. We're making room for God. We're letting God take control. We're letting God set people free. We're letting God heal, deliver, and save. We're letting you and me and my family and all of our other families come here and just get in His presence. Amen? Now, here's another thing that affects me personally and will affect you indirectly. Is that we were sitting in an elder meeting and Ish had just suggested something that he really had not put much thought to. It was a good point, but he just kind of put it out there. And we were talking about our different ministries, and he said, why don't you delegate those ministries? Like the youth, like crossover. And so God then began to speak to my heart throughout the whole entire week. And all I could think of was this Bible and the examples of the church. You see, up until uh, you know this time, I've really had a traditional mindset of the church. For example, I went to Bible college. I have the degree. You call me the pastor. That's how it works. Now, if we're going to have a youth pastor, we get a person that has a degree, we hire them, and etc. And I began to look at the Bible, and that's not how it worked. You know, first of all, there wasn't even Bible college then. Second of all, they didn't even really make their living off the ministry because most of the churches were being persecuted. And so it was just ordinary people who had ordinary jobs that did the work of the ministry. Paul himself made tents. That's what he did for a living. Paul had a job. So did a lot of the other disciples. They had jobs. They worked. 
And then they had churches in their homes. So the Lord began to speak to me, and he began to share with me, why not ask our elders to be in charge of the very ministries that they've been working in? And with prayer and deliberation and it then being confirmed, we have decided that starting this month, I am now going to transition the youth ministry to Adolfo and his team and the crossover ministry to Griselda and her team. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Amen? And the moment I began to sense that that was what God was saying, it all began to line up. We have a Latino ministry with the Torres families. Give the Lord a hand clap for them. Amen. And keep clapping because Carrasco is now taking over the adult small group. Keep clapping. Amen. And so now there's the opportunity for growth. See, make room for Jesus. Well, if Joe is doing everything, we're not going to have a lot of room for Jesus to show up in your life, are we? See, think about that. Jesus can show up in my life, but how is Jesus going to show up in Griselda's life if Joe's taking up all the space? One of the people that actually had to get out the way is me. And as I was talking to others, one of them was Griselda herself, said she was reading our book, a book from the missionaries that said when God told her you're going to plant thousands of churches, she said it will take me hundreds of lifetimes at the pace I'm moving right now. But God said, no, you're not going to do it all. You're going to release. And you've got to trust. That was something specifically for me. Now, Metro Praise needs to ask ourselves that question. Are we going to make room for Jesus? Now, to make it practical to your life, turn with me to Psalms chapter 10, verse 4. Let's make it practical to you. Those are some changes you can look forward to. But now let's apply it to your life. Somebody say, bring it, Pastor. Amen. It's okay to talk to me every now and then. Amen. Praise God. Bring it, Pastor. Here it is. You're going to love this scripture, and it's going to confirm so many things in your heart, and others of you, it's going to convict you. Listen to this scripture. Psalms chapter 10, verse 4. It says, In his pride the wicked does not seek him. In all his thoughts there is no room for who? Oh, there we go. There we got that no room again. The message is today no room. Or make room for God, rather. The opposite would be there's no room. Look at it again. Psalms 10, verse 4. In his pride the wicked does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. Did we not see that team last night on Belmont and Clark? Did many of you see that at the adoptive block? And thank you for carrying that on. As Nancy and I were at a wedding, our prayers were with you. As we go out and minister, as you are at your homes and your family and you're at your jobs, do you find this scripture to be true? That the pride of man does not allow him to seek God? Have you noticed that? Have you noticed the first thing that happens when someone begins to turn their back on God, they stop seeking Him. The way I look at it is this. When Adam and Eve were in the glory of God, they didn't know they were naked. But the moment they got in sin and the glory departed from them, they knew they were naked. When you're loving Jesus, the glory of God's all around you and you love your church. But the moment you start living in sin, you realize all the imperfections. And you think it's your job or people think it's their job to start pointing out all those imperfections. You know why? It's because the glory has left. They don't walk into glory anymore. And then you begin to see what a backslider is. But listen, the Bible says the prideful does not seek God because he's so wicked. But in all of his thoughts there is no room for God. And now let's reverse that to where we can understand it maybe a little bit of where we are. 
in humility, the righteous seek God. See, think about that. What's the opposite of pride? What's the opposite of pride, y'all? Come on, shout it out like you're up today. What's the opposite of pride? Humility. What's the opposite of wicked? Righteous. In his humility, the righteous does seek God. And in his thoughts, there is room for God. Now, let me ask you a question. In your thoughts today, is there room for God? Because everything you and I do in life comes from where our mind. And I've told you before, as we've talked specifically about the mind, that we think 50,000 thoughts on average per day. That is so many thoughts. And they're racing through our minds all the time. In your mind, which the Bible calls your heart, is there room for God? That means when God says, spend time with me, make time to follow my commands, do your personal devotions and prayer and reading of His Word, is there then room for God in your life? Or is your mind so concentrated on your job and on the things of this world that there's no room for God? You see, if you're not doing your devotions on a weekly basis, if you're not spending time with the Lord, it's because your thoughts have taken the place of God. You don't have room for Him. And then the Bible says that your pride will keep you even from seeking Him. We talk to people all the time that say, I don't believe there's a God. We ask them, have you humbled yourself? Have you done what the Bible says in righteousness, and have you seeked Him? No, I haven't done any of that. Well, the Bible says you'll never find Him. There'll never be room in their wicked heart, because until they humble themselves, until they walk in humility, there is no room for God. Can you say amen? Now, I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 5, verse 17. For the church and for our lives, is there room for Jesus? Today, we need to make room. Is there anybody here that wants more of Jesus in their life? Is there anybody here that wants to make room for Jesus? Come on, you have to decide in your life today, my mind will make room for Jesus. In humility, I will begin to seek God. Let's take, for example, our attention spans. They say the average person's attention span, 20, 30 minutes. So, pastor, keep your sermon short because they're going to start daydreaming, you know. But then let me ask you a question, all those people that support that idea, or you've heard that idea, or even thought that our services were long. Let me just ask you a big question. It's going to be deep, so you're going to have to think really hard. Why aren't movies 20 minutes then? If we only have 20, 30 minutes before we start wandering off, if we get so bored so quick, why aren't baseball games? Only 20 minutes. Hello? Can we just be honest? Why, why aren't they 20 minutes then? Why don't I come into a movie theater, sit down, you know, introduction, plot, conclusion, boom, 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 20 minutes, it's over. How come when I go see the Cubs game, how come when I sit down, how come it's not, you know, throw out the first pitch, hit a couple balls, boom, boom, 20 minutes, it's over. Hours. Some of you... Make more room for the incredible Hulk than you do for Jesus. And that's why in your heart there is wickedness. And that's why you live more like the father, the devil, than the father, God. 
Because during the week, it's so easy for you to say, hey, honey, let's go out for a movie. Let's spend two or three hours in the movie theater. And when you come to church, two hours, three hours becomes so long. I've talked to so many of you here today. You know what I'm talking about. There's been days on your day off where you've gone to the movie theater. Like the Carrasco family was telling me that they found this movie theater and let them go to other movies. I said, how many movies did you watch in one day? He said, four. How many of you were ever into a series like 24 or a series like Lost? And you would sit down and you would watch eight episodes that are each an hour long. Hello? How many of you during the playoffs or some type of sporting event would just sit there and watch game after game or just watch the game and then the pregame, the postgame? The Bible says that they made no room for God in the end. And he was born in a manger. The book of Psalms says that people make no room for God in their minds and they live in wickedness. Now when Jesus got older and he began doing ministry, look what happens. Verse 14. Jesus had just cast devils out and put them in the pigs. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what happened. What had just happened? Jesus delivered one man of thousands of demons. Thousands of demons were in one man. Jesus talked to the demons, and the demons wanted to go to the pigs. And since Jesus was a kosher Jew that didn't eat lechon, he just said, go into the pigs, and the pigs went off a cliff and killed themselves. So the people who owned the lechon, the people who owned the pigs, run back to the city, and they're like, man, this guy's crazy. They don't even think to themselves that there was just a miracle. They don't think to themselves that the reason the pigs died is because demons left a man, and that a man's, one man's life is worth more than herds of pigs. They run off. Verse 15, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. They were not pleading with Jesus to stay. Jesus, come on, stay. we got more demon-possessed people. you got to meet my cousin. My cousin has got some demons, man. you got to cast them out. you got to meet my brother. you got to meet my in-laws. Hallelujah. we got to cast out some more demons. Jesus, stay, stay. No, 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 no. They did the opposite. They pleaded. Come on, Jesus, please leave. Please leave, Jesus. We don't want you here. Come on, Jesus, you don't want to come to this town. There's so many other towns. I wonder how many people you know today are saying that to Jesus. Maybe they're not that rebellious to actually say it with their heart like some of the people in Belmont and Clark. But I wonder how many people even in this room today are saying, Jesus, come on, I, I, I don't want you to come in my life right now. Jesus, don't change my habits. Jesus, come on, don't, 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 don't make me worship you for a long time today. Jesus, you know, don't make me join that Bible study. Jesus, I don't want you to come to my house with the pastor or, or the elders and hang out with me. Jesus, come on, I, I don't want that much of you, Jesus. Jesus, would you just leave? Jesus, would you just come back another time? Jesus, it's time for me to fornicate right now. Jesus, I don't have time to be with you. Jesus, it's time for me to watch my movies, you know, do all of these things. Jesus, come on, Jesus. I'm pleading with you. Leave. Think about all the people today that plead with him to leave. I want you now to switch that around to the right side. We're pleading with him to stay. 
Hallelujah. I said we're pleading with him to stay. We're saying, Jesus, if it's three hours, just stay, Jesus. Stay one more hour. Jesus, stay another hour. Jesus, stay another day. I can't wait until Metro Praise gets so excited for God. We do what's called extended meetings. That means now we've got to have Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night. And we start letting the nights run together because we're so hungry for God. And just one little dab will do you on Sunday. Don't work anymore. We need to get drowned in the river. Hallelujah. I don't want just a little rain. I want the floodgates of heaven. You see, I'm looking forward to a church that says, I make room for you here in this building. I make room for you in my mind. And I'm pleading with you, Jesus, stay. Jesus, stay. Jesus, whatever you've got to do, however long it takes, we want you. Ask yourself that question next time we're worshiping God and His presence is here. Man, it was so powerful today. What's in your heart? Is there room for God? Is there room for God in our youth group now that we have no more video games and stuff? Will the young people come and make room in their heart and minds and now come here and say, Jesus, we want you here? And I want you to think about every teenager that says we're going to stop coming to the youth group. What have they just said? I want basketball more than I want Jesus. And I'm pleading for him to leave me alone. Think about every person that at Metro Praise right now has begun to feel uncomfortable with the length of service or the different things that God are doing. God is doing. What they are saying, what some of you are saying is, I don't want you anymore past 12. I really have to eat because I'm starving like an Ethiopian. If I don't eat my morsel of bread today, I will starve and pass out waiting for the bus. How many know we could go a week without eating? It wouldn't even make a dent in us. Some of you haven't even done that. I've gone on 10-day fast, and I've looked at myself, and I go, that's it? I didn't know I had that much reserve sitting up in here. Some of y'all can't even go a day without one meal. You know, the day without eating. That's fasting. Do it for God. Say, Lord, I plead with you to stay. Lord, I will push back the plate. I will take away the time that I give to TV, movies, entertainment, and music. And Lord and my friends, and I will come to a private place of prayer and plead with you to come. Hallelujah. How many love Jesus? Can you say amen? Look at your neighbor and say, make room for Jesus. Isn't God good? Turn with me to Rome, uh, Revelations, rather, chapter 3. And the message is not that long today. But I want us to make room for Jesus. You know, I got the kind of celebration attitude going right now. My wife and I, we spent the weekend together with the old friends. Had a wonderful time last night hanging out doing evangelism. I just feel like hanging out with Jesus today. Amen? Does anybody else want to hang out with him? Or do you want to push him out into the manger? I'll tell you something. You know what the bottom line is? Is Jesus wasn't born on a street. You see, somebody made room for Jesus. And I'm telling you right now, you might be looking at the big churches going, where's Jesus? He's coming to the little ones. And he's going to make them big. Amen? You might have been looking for Jesus in the palace. You might have been looking for him in the hospital. But where was he in that little old manger? You see, I want to tell you something. God will find somebody, someplace, somewhere, and show up and show off and show who he is. That's why you and I don't have to worry about the building. We don't have to worry about the dress code. All we got to do is worry about our hearts and what we came to do right here. Amen? And you see, you and I got an awesome privilege and opportunity that God does not choose or pick favorites based on nationality, based on money, based on income. He just comes where those people have made room for him. 
You know what I thank God is he's not only in a church building. When you go back home today, and I mean, there's been Sundays I've gone back home and I've just kept worshiping God because it's been like that. There's, there's no difference between this building and your house. If you go back home and you're hungry and you make room for God, you can worship God all day. You can worship God first thing every morning before you go to work and find him in your life. And he will change you. Oh, praise God. Can you say amen? I love Jesus. Look at Revelation chapter 3. If you're there, say I'm there. Make room for Jesus. Jesus, we want you here. We plead with you. This is that strong passage of uh, the rebuke to the Laodicean church. You've heard it many times here. If you want to hear the message, Jesus said, you make me puke. You can go to the website and listen to Sunday night's message. Amen? Jesus said, you make me puke. That's a whole other message. Don't have time for that today. Some of you like that, right? That's okay. We still love you. Go to verse 19. Those whom I love, I what? Rebuke and discipline. So you know he loves us if he does that. So be earnest and repent. Okay? Now look at verse 20. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Can you hear him knocking? Do you hear him knocking at your heart? If you do not hear God knocking at your heart, then you are hard-hearted. And you need to get soft in your heart. And you need to plead with him to talk to you again. Because if you're not hearing his voice, there is a big problem right now. But all of those who hear his voice, you're in one of two categories. You're the one that's in sin, and he's asking you to let him in so he can just change you and, and make you a new person. Or you're already a Christian, and he's just saying, I want to spend more time with you. I want to change you. I want to sit down with you and be with you. The question that we have to ask ourselves is today is do we have room for Jesus? Would you stand up with me today? As the band comes back up, let's just raise up our hands and let the Lord know today we make room for you. Jesus, we make room for you today. Some of you might think to yourselves, well, if I don't have big sin in my life, then I probably don't have a problem with this message. No, it's not about sin even today, my friends. The main part of this message is, is do you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Are you willing to give God your all? Just play, I can hear the sound of the river lightly in the background. Come on, just raise up your hands and say, Jesus, I make room for you today. Those of you who like sports, you can look at this part of the service as halftime. Because we're about ready to get into the second half. And that's going to be praying for you, setting you free, and then worshiping and going deep with God. Do you want to make room for Him? This is what I heard in my heart. You know me. I've had many words over the last few months, and God's been speaking to me. And I only want to say what I hear the Lord say. And if there's nothing, then there's nothing for me to say. Maybe God will speak to others, you know. But this is what God said to me today, and it sounds radical, but I'm really leaving it up to you. This is what he says today. The band, your pastors, and your elders will stay in worship with you as long as you want to worship today. Just to break some religion off of you. Not to say that we have to worship till 5 in the afternoon every Sunday. I'm not saying that. 
I'm just saying when I was on my face worshiping God and I was thanking Him for the holiday weekend and all of the wonderful people and friends that I saw and just the joy of His presence and I was feeling that electricity go through me, I just felt the Lord say, why don't you give me time like they gave me, like they gave their friends a barbecue? That's what I heard the Lord say. I'm being honest with you. You may think I'm crazy, but I'm being real honest with you. I heard the Lord say, many people went and had barbecues. And I know our barbecue went from 12 to 7, you know. And I don't know who was all there. I wasn't there. But that's just, you know, it's an example of how long some of the barbecues were this weekend. And the Lord was saying to my heart, just give me now as much as you want. And the Lord said he's going to show up in power. And he's going to start changing lives. And he's going to set people free. So what I'm going to do today differently, normally right now I would pray for those that are in sin. We would pray for you to repent. We would pray for those that are sick. And we would pray for those that feel they're afflicted by evil spirits. We would pray for you. But the Lord wanted me to tell you, you'll receive it today if you go after him. You'll receive it. And if we need to come next to you and just help you out, we'll we'll help you out in prayer. But I felt in my heart the Lord just saying, if you want it, come and get it. He said, if you want it, come and get it. I looked at the Bible and I began getting all these examples of how these things worked in the Bible. I began to think about how Moses went up to the mountain and he said, Lord, I know I've seen your presence, but I want to see your face. I won't leave here until you show me your glory. He stayed up there 40 days and 40 nights. I began to then think about the example of the different people in the Bible like Daniel who said, God, I want to get closer to you, so for the next 21 days I will only eat fruits and vegetables and I'll make hours of prayer for my life. I began to think about Esther in the Bible who called a three-day fast. For three days the people didn't go to work. They actually used their vacation days to pray. And they went to the temple, and they were in the temple all day and all night. I then began to think of people like the disciples who were in the upper room, and how Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem, don't leave the room that I set you in until the Holy Ghost comes. And we know that it was about 50 days later when the Holy Ghost came. So that meant for 50 days They were staying in that building, either showering somewhere else, or they were coming there and spending the whole day there and then going back home. You might say, well, what if they had to work? Okay, well, they got off at 5, and they stayed from 5 to 10. That's five hours every day. They began to really seek God. And then I began to read the book of Acts and and began to think to myself, man, there was Paul. That time he preached, he preached all day and all night until one young man fell asleep and fell out of a window at midnight. And I just heard the Lord tell me, this is for you, you can receive it, make room for me. Now I want you just to think about this before we just turn it loose, and it's just going to be you and God. And if you need help, you can come to one of our elders and say, help me make room. Help me get rid of some of the sin in my life. If you're dealing with sin, we'll pray for you. Maybe you feel like this, the devil's been picking on you, and you need help for that. We'll help you. Maybe you're afflicted and you're saying, I just want someone to to believe with me, agree with me in prayer. Amen. We'll do that. But listen to me. We're going to spend the rest of the time. It's all about Jesus today. 
just going to make room for him. Now, I want you to think about this before we start this off. Your life right now is your own. It's a gift from God. What would you do now for the next two hours? Let's just put two hours up on the board. From 1230 to 230. What would you normally do? Pastor, I would go home and get out of my Sunday clothes. I would get something to eat, take care of my kids. We would hang out at the house. You know, I had a busy weekend. You know, all the fun stuff I was and all the barbecues actually wore me out. So, you know, I need to rest now. Okay. Would you make room for God today for two hours? Would you? Now, I don't know what time you got to go to work tomorrow, but I'm prepared to stay even till then. I know that some of you, and I'm just going to prepare you for this, <clears throat> are going to begin to come up here and it's going to be hard because you're going to have to focus on Jesus. But if you start to get lost in his presence, I promise you God will do things that he's never done in your life before only because of one reason, because you've made room for him. And I want to tell you that don't get discouraged. Don't walk out of here just in five, ten minutes. Don't do what you normally do. You're going to miss it. But you may feel like you've got to press in. You may not feel the goosebumps. You may just feel like, man, what's the point? I don't even feel anything. I just sing a song, go home, hey, man, it's over. I'm telling you right now, I'm getting you ready. Don't get discouraged. Because God's going to test your heart and your flesh is going to buck and scream and give you a headache right now. That's, that flesh is going to say, feed me, take me home, i got to get home. Your flesh is going to say, you're tired, go to bed, rest, take a nap. You've got to press in and I'm going to tell you what it's like. It's like those men who just lost their pigs saying, you know what? This just cost me my entire livelihood. But it's worth it for Jesus. It's like those people who owned those inns and those hotels at that time that could have said, hey, I'll give you my own bed. I'll sleep on the floor because it's worth it. It's Jesus. Lord, I pray right now, God, that we just go to another level. God, you said make room for me. You said, get lost in my presence. You said, oh God, if we seek your face, then we will find you. Father God, you preached unto the people that, Lord, if they ask and keep asking, they'll receive. If they knock and keep knocking, the door will be open. If they seek and keep seeking, they will find. Lord, you said to us that we ought to be persistent and we ought not give up and grow weary. You said in the book of Galatians, do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season, if you, if you faint not, you shall reap. Let me tell you something. Some of you who feel spiritually tired, it's because you're getting close to a breakthrough, and you've got to make room for God, and you've got to press in, and the breakthrough will come. The breakthrough's not going to come if you get tired and lazy now. You've fought too hard to give up now. You've gone too far to go back. You've got to press in. You've got to press in. You've got to put in that last mile of the marathon. And God says he'll meet you. Jesus, all of us here make room for God. Man, just begin to strike it up. Come on. We're going to stay here as long as you want to be here. The altars are open. The altars are open. Ushers, place the offering at the front here so that if they want to give and leave at any time, they can. 
We're just going to begin to seek God today. If you want to give your tithes and offerings at any time, you can do that before you go. This service belongs to Jesus. We're going to make room for Him. We're going to make room for Him. Today belongs to Jesus. Now those... Just hold on a second. I'm sorry. Just Now those who are about ready to go further than they've ever been, let's just raise up our hands and say, Jesus, I'm going to stay as long as you want me to. Woo! <laughs> Jesus, I'll leave when you say we're done. Now, if you haven't signed up for the retreat, do that sometime before you leave. If you haven't given tithes and offering, do that before you leave. Other than that, if you want to come to the front, come to the front now. If you want to jump and holler all over this place, if you want to sit down, do whatever you got to do. We have just decided to make room for Jesus. Jesus. Mess us up, Lord. Mess us up. Change us. We're hungry for revival. I can hear the sound of the river. I can hear the sound.
I want everybody, all the deacons and elders, I want all my leaders at the front with me. Because I know you guys are going to worship with us. So we don't need anybody at the soundboard. Just get high with Jesus. Come on, let's just all have a fun time. Woo!
just so that we can hear it in the presence of the Lord. So many awesome psalms talk about what we're experiencing right now, just being in God's presence. Oh, Jesus. Psalms 34 says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Hallelujah. And just think about that. He always answers us when we call upon him. Oh, hallelujah. Our faces are radiant. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Right there it talks about we can experience the taste of God. Hallelujah. He says it's, uh, the Bible says it's sweeter than honey. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. We should always seek God. Come, my children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil, your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. That's pretty easy, amen? Not complicated. Help us, Lord, to always do that. Hallelujah. Turn from evil and do good. Turn from evil and and do good. Lord, help us to do that. That will give us a good life. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. Oh, hallelujah. Don't you know the Lord is turning towards us right now? He's right in, this, in the midst of this place. He hears every one of our cries. Just because our prayers don't get answered when we want them to, doesn't mean he doesn't hear our cries. He hears every one of them. But he says he literally turns his back against the wicked. So many wicked people think that God still hears them or God still blesses them. But the Bible says he turns his back towards their cries. And he says he'll cut off the memory of them. That means those who don't live for God will be forgotten forever. Once we get to heaven after judgment day and the tears are wiped from our eyes, if, if your brother, like my brother, doesn't know the Lord and they die in their sin, we'll forget our brother. The Bible says the mother will forget her own child from her womb. But the Lord says we'll always remember His goodness. We will always remember that. No matter what, how long we're in heaven, no matter what we went through on earth, we'll always remember how good He was to us. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servant. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. That's why the Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We never have to fear. 
Oh, Jesus, help us, Lord. Psalms 42 says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my God and my Savior. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hebron, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep, and the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. So this brother right here, David, was losing his hope. He was going through trials and troubles. And he began to speak to himself, why are you so down? God hasn't left you. Why are you down? And he says he began to remember the times he went to church and would rejoice and would shout with the, the throngs of people. And he would begin to encourage himself that even though he would be going through a hard time, that God hadn't left him and that he would rejoice in God again and that times would be good. And so by faith, he would set his heart on those times. And he says right here in verse 8, By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. So here he had a song at night. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Hallelujah. Even in the midst of our trouble, we can tell our soul, I will praise God. Psalms 46 says, God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, so no matter what happens, we never have to be afraid. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Hallelujah. The holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fail. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. Isn't that something? In the midst of judgment, the Bible says there's a river that makes stream, that that's the streams make glad the city of our God. So while God is bringing judgment, we're at the river. Just like the Bible says he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He leads us beside quiet waters that restore our soul. Even in the midst of all that's going on in our economy, in our world, and war. The Bible says for all those that trust in Him, there's a river. And it makes glad, hallelujah, the city of our God. Jesus. Psalms 47. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. How awesome is the Lord Most High the king over all the earth. He subdued nations under us, people under our feet. He chose our inheritance for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loved. 
Listen to this. God has ascended amid shouts of joy and the Lord amid the sounding of trumpets. You know what that means? God is in the praises of his people. Look at, listen to that again. God has ascended amid shouts of joy. When we're shouting, God is with us. The Lord amid the sounding of trumpets. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. You can tell that was a song. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing to Him a psalm of praise. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on His holy throne. The nobles of the nations assemble as people of God of Abraham. For the kings of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. Jesus, we just want more of You. We just want more. We want more. We want more. We want more. We want more of You. Oh, Jesus, be merciful. Pour out Your mercy upon us, Lord. Oh, God, You are my God. Earnestly I seek You. My soul longs for You. My body thirsts for You. In a dry and weary land where there is no water, I have seen You in the sanctuary and beheld Your power and Your glory. Because Your love is better than life, my lips will glorify You. I will praise You as long as I live, and Your name will be in my lips. I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the riches of food, and with singing lips my mouth will praise You. On my bed I will remember You. I think of You through the watches of the night. Because You are my help, I sing in the shadow of Your wings. My soul clings to You. Your right hand upholds me. Those who seek my life will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and food for the jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God's name will praise Him. But the mouths of liars will be silenced. We dream about You, Lord. We dream about You. You are what we dream about. You're what we dream about. Consume all of our thoughts. Consume all of us. Jesus, it's a dry and weary land, but you fill our soul. Come on, just let God fill your soul. Say, Lord, I want you. Yeah, I need you. Consume me with your love. Consume me with your glory. We'll never forget our God. We'll never forget our God. Jesus, help us never to forget you. Because we long for you. Jesus. Jesus. Keep worshiping, bro. Whatever the Lord gives you. Just wanted you to hear that in the Psalms. We'll stay here as long as the Spirit leads us. Come and get all that you came for. We are here for you, Jesus. Thank you for coming today. And the hungry hearts, we cry out for more. Because we know.